1: You're listening to Talk of Champions, an
0: Ole Miss spirit podcast with Ben Garrett and David Johnson.
2: another talk of champions daily i'm ben garrett at spirit ben on twitter he's david johnson at rebels 247 on twitter we both write for the home spirit Homespirit.com and a food of 247 sports got ben brown Almost offensive lineman here today for his weekly segment frontline view to preview alabama but first david what's up man how you doing
3: how are you today i'm
2: good man how are you
3: i'm good i'm good just got through with uh lane kiffin's regularly scheduled monday press conference and uh madam I'm ready to talk about it on this Tuesday morning.
2: Good. I'm glad to hear it because, honestly, for a Monday of Alabama week, not too much happened. I don't think we learned too much from Lane Kiffin, but let's kind of parse through what he said and what you kind of took away from it. To start with, the biggest takeaway from Lane Kiffin's Monday presser was what?
3: Well, that Lane Kiffin has no intentions of rat poisoning himself or his team this week. Nothing but respect for Nick Saban and the Alabama football program coming out of Lane Kiffin's mouth, which as we predicted, Alabama's the gold standard. He didn't say that in so many words, but he pointed out that really there's been no time in the fantastic history of the Alabama football program that they've been as successful as they are now. And I mean, you're talking about hold the horses here, the Bear Bryant era, You're talking about Gene Stallings. You're talking about a whole bunch of successful football coaches at the University of Alabama. And uh, Lane was quick to point out, hey, this is the most successful run they have ever had. Nothing but great words for Nick Saban. I think Nick reciprocated at his Monday press conference as well. Nothing but respect for Lane Kiffin. Look, both these guys have really good football teams this year. Nobody's going to give up an edge to anybody because of the big mouth disease. And, uh, you know, that's that's the biggest takeaway, I think, is that uh, Lane Kiffin laid out much respect, mucho gratis, for Nick Saban and Alabama.
2: Shocker. Completely predicted that on the Monday, first edition of the Talk of Champions Daily that we're trying out this week. We said that Lane Kiffin was going to do this. This is what every team that really expects to contend and compete with Alabama does. Completely respect Alabama because they're always looking for something just to latch on to. When you've been the gold standard, the dominant team in college football, not just the SEC for so long, as Alabama has, you kind of latch on to anything that sounds like, quote, rat poison as it's been coined by Lane Kiffin. So that's completely predictable.
3: Yeah, for sure. Now, I think the one interesting thing that – came out of the press conference on Monday that I think most people are just not aware of because he's been around here so long. Matt Corral has never played in a football game at Bryant Denny stadium. And, uh, this will be his first time. You remember back in 2019, the week prior to the Alabama game, Corral suffered bruised ribs. Then the John Rice Plumley experiment got off and running and, um, you know, that was that was the story. So and he wasn't around in seventeen when Ole Miss went to Alabama. Thank goodness that was one to forget. But um uh, the first game Macarell's ever started at Alabama will happen Saturday.
2: And that's wild. That really is wild to think about, considering everything that this kid has accomplished in under two years' time, and kind of putting himself in that same category as Eli and Chad and Bo Wallace and Archie. And yet he hasn't played a game in Bryant-Denny.
3: That's wild. Yeah, he was in street clothes over there in 2019, remember? And, um, you know, that was the first start he missed of that season. Went on to miss eight more starts uh, because uh, Plumley and, and Rich Rod kind of melded up together. And by the way, you know, I, I want to say this. You know, I hope you all will keep uh, Rich Rodriguez and his family in your prayers. Uh, of course, his son, Rhett, injured Saturday night in Louisiana Monroe's victory over Troy um, with a lung injury. And um, last I heard, Rhett is still in the intensive care unit and uh, is really struggling with uh, with a freak injury. And the crazy thing is, you know, Benny got hurt. He, he stayed in there finished the game.
4: Golly.
2: When you start talking uh, about lungs so, and stuff like that with football, that's scary as hell.
3: Yeah, and I had heard someone say, and don't quote me on this, that, you know, the symptoms during the game were maybe kind of like a bruised rib, you know, what it would make you do in terms of a, you know, a respiratory issue. And uh, it was discovered the injury was much more severe uh, than, than initially thought and, uh, you know, placed in the intensive care unit. And, uh, man, I can only imagine what Rich Rod is going through as a father. That's uh, yes. That's got to be a difficult thing. Not only is is he his dad, he's his coach. Um, And, uh, you know, just uh, a quick reminder, everybody, if you would, if you're willing, keep those guys in your prayers.
2: That's the nightmare scenario, man. I've seen you go through that with Eli a couple times. I mean, my God, Eli, yeah, he tore up his knee, neck stuff. Oh, you were on the field. Oh, man.
3: Oh, my God. That was such a surreal experience, uh, Ben. That was in the 2017 season his very first college play. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm standing there on the sidelines. I'm not, you know, 25 yards from where they snapped the ball. And I saw him go down. It was the last play of the game against Tennessee Martin. And everybody started celebrating. And, you know, I'm out there on the field because the game has just ended before Eli gets up. And then Royce Newman is standing there and Royce picks him up. And before I got to them to... I saw the look on Royce's face as he was looking at me and shaking his head knew what it was um and um uh, yeah yeah it's I, and, and you know an ACL for all its seriousness is certainly Nothing that puts you in the ICU and deals with your ability to breathe. And so, uh, and I know you saw me coming off the field after that game. And uh, well, you and I, I didn't was, know I each other that met. well.
2: You and I didn't know each other that well at that time. And that's um, right,
3: we had not merged at the time. Yeah. Right.
2: So, me and Chuck are standing in the end zone, and you're walking towards us. And Ole Miss has just won this game and won it pretty handily. And the look on your face was just complete devastation but also scared for your son and worry just what you would expect from a dad seeing something like that happen to his son and i'll never forget you looked at us and said he tore his acl and you added a few words in there some colorful yeah. words in there and me and chuck were just like oh yeah. my god man and, and it reminded me of something too because my dad back when we were playing high school football and i wasn't any good uh, my older brother daniel he was he was a lot better than me and um my dad never came to practices. There used to be like this group of dads that hung out at the very top of the hill because we played in New Albany. We practiced. Oh, always,
3: yeah. always is. Yeah. yeah. There's always this, is.
2: There was this like cavernous hole that we practiced in, and it got hot as hell down there. But these dads was, would park their cars and stand up there and watch these practices. And finally, both Daniel and I were starting in varsity, so my dad decided he's going to come to practice. The very and only practice my dad showed up for – Daniel messes up his neck and then I tore my ACL and my dad never came back. So I'm not saying in any way that's comparable or is Eli's Mm. thing comparable with Rich Rod's thing, but it just puts in perspective. We get so caught up in these coaches and Rich Rod at Ole Miss and how messy it was and um, how that, that team just underperformed and all these kind of things. And we always just think about the football side of it. But when you really start to think of the human element and the dad aspect of it, it really kind of brings it home to you and reminds you of all those other stories, like with my dad and with you and Eli. It's just something that puts it in perspective, really, because at the end of the day, it is sports, and um, that's just terrible to hear about Rich Rod's son.
3: Yeah, it is. It certainly is, and uh, we'll try to uh, keep you guys updated on on the progress Rat makes, um, you know, throughout the um, the year on the message board and everything, because I know there are some people who do care. Uh, you know, Rich Rod was was. Was an Ole Miss Rebel, and uh, people don't forget that. So, uh, uh, you know, good, good, good vibes, good thoughts, good, and many prayers for the Rodriguez family right now. Um, but getting back to the task at hand, Ole Miss had a weekend off. Players came back Monday morning for practice. Um, you know, Lane didn't talk a whole lot about practice. I don't expect he will this week. Um, you know, and Matt Corral really didn't offer a lot of insight into practice but but a lot of insight into the mindset of this Ole Miss football team. And, Ben, here's my take on it. Here's your hot take this morning. Do not mistake Ole Miss's confidence going into this game Saturday for cockiness. There's a difference, okay? They respect their opponent. They've made that perfectly clear. But at the same time, They're not tempering the confidence that they have built through the first three games of this season. They're going to step on that field with the confidence that they can beat Alabama on Saturday. Don't mistake it for cockiness. Uh, There's a difference. There is a difference. Uh, They believe in what they do. They believe in their system. They believe in themselves. That's confidence. Cockiness is something else. It's it's probably, you would describe that as unfounded confidence. This football team has a reason to be confident, in.
2: No, I'm glad you bring that up because it segues perfectly into the lead. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. He's David Johnson at Rebels247. We both write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. If you haven't already subscribed, review Talk of Champions in iTunes, and when you do, Leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. And Talk of Champions can be found wherever you get your podcast. Just simply search Talk of Champions in Apple Music, Amazon Music, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher. doesn't matter. Just simply search Talk of Champions, and you'll find us. Let's get into the lead.
1: Our lead story tonight. The lead. You idiot. It's the lead. The lead.
2: The lead brought to you by MyBookie and Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodmen. Tom Brady returns to New England for the biggest game of the year, and the stakes have never been higher at MyBookie. Whether you're backing the Bucks or the Pats this Sunday, the game is always more exciting when I've got money on it at MyBookie. Get on the action and take this game to a whole new level at MyBookie. Both teams are sporting top defenses, and nobody knows each other better than Brady and Belichick. Slow and steady will win this race. Smart money bets the under. Don't wait around. Join MyBookie now and bet on the biggest game of the season. Use our promo code TOC for Talk of Champions, TOC, and double your first deposit. Again, that's promo code TOC for Talk of Champions to get double your first deposit with MyBookie and start your winning season today. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Have you ever wondered what you're going to do for retirement or if you're ever actually going to be able to retire? If so, give my friend Thomas Chandler at Modern Woodman a call. Thomas specializes in retirement and investment planning and loves helping people plan for their dream. And Modern Woodman offers anything you could possibly need, from mutual funds to employee benefits to college savings plans and even a 1% guaranteed annuity. Give Thomas a call at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. And start taking control of your future today with Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman. I was asked this question. On this national college football podcast that I did on Monday, if Ole Miss was gearing up with the right mindset to go against Alabama. And they basically just kind of asked me how Ole Miss is approaching the game and do you approach Alabama differently? But you kind of have to because you got to gear up for Alabama. And my response was kind of what you said that the culture cultivated by Lane Kiffin ever since he got to Ole Miss was a professional culture, a professional mindset that it doesn't matter. And it's cliche, but it's, it doesn't matter to the opponent. It's about process, doing your work, and if you get the work done, then the results will follow. And a lot has been made about the past history with Ole Miss and Alabama, and justifiably so, because Ole Miss has never really been successful against Alabama. We look back at 2014, 2015 with such reverence because of that. But I feel differently in approach about this game, because Lane Kiffin has cultivated that culture with Ole Miss in regards to every opponent, to where it's not about who you're playing, it's about the process and putting in the work. And he treats these guys as they should have been treated forever, because student-athlete and amateurism, it's all a bunch of nonsense. Their first and foremost job in college is to play football, and he treats them that way. He treats them professionally, and they go and get their work done. That's why there's a very chill environment in regards to Lane Kiffin in this program, and you've seen it too the way these players respond to him is because he does respect them for what they do for the work that they're putting in. Yes, obviously he is the overseer of Ole Miss football. He is the authority. They are not in any way equal to Lane Kiffin, but he treats them in an equal way, if that makes sense. And that is why this approach to Alabama is different than even in 2014 when it felt like an upset because it was. If Ole Miss beats Alabama on Saturday and as of, this recording, I, I don't think the line's moved. I think Ole Miss is still 20-point dogs, even though I think that's ridiculous. No, it's
3: 14-and-a-half. It's
2: four, 14-and-a-half, okay. Well, 14-and-a-half. 14-and-a-half points is still pretty significant as far as a line. Point being is that in 2014, it felt like an upset, but because of the culture that Lane Kiffin has cultivated and the pro mindset that they take and the process that they follow, if Ole Miss wins on Saturday, it won't feel like an upset to me.
3: Yeah, and 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 you know... With all that said, and that was that was quite a bit, um, you know, you see this difference, if you will, in the players not only on the field, but off the field as well. When a couple of us were leaving the press conference on Monday, and after we had gotten through talking to Matt Corral, we all just kind of kind of talked a little bit about the difference in the 2021 Matt Corral. Versus the Matt Corral before now, and what we were talking about was Matt Corral's ability to deal with the media much better than he has before. Not that he was ever bad, but there were times he was snarky when things weren't. He was abrasive at times uh, with the media, which is not something a potential first-round draft pick, a potential Heisman Trophy winner uh, wants to. Be considered as, and and he has done a remarkable job. And you first started noticing it in the early days of fall camp. It is refined now to where Matt is very engaging, hospitable towards the media. He takes all questions, with, with and, and he presents very thoughtful and logical, well thought out answers. Maybe the average fan doesn't doesn't pick up on in post game coverage from 2020 and and, and before. But it's certainly something the media has picked up on. Matt Corral is now a really, really good interview. Not saying he was ever bad, but his level of comfortableness with the media has grown exponentially. I think some of that is because, as you mentioned, how Lane Kiffin treats the players within his program.
2: I think there's no doubt about it. Let's listen to everything that Matt Corral said on Monday. Match's environment heading into this week, does it feel different than heading into Alabama last year or is it kind of same vibe?
5: Uh, I think last year we were more worried about playing Alabama than we are this year. I mean, yeah, we're, we're not worried, but I should rephrase that so you don't take it and run with it. We're not worried about who we're playing. We're worried about how we handle each practice individually. So, you know, we're worried about today. We're not worried about Alabama. You know, even though they are a great team, and they are the best team that we're going to face this year. We're not worried about them right now. We're worried about getting having the best practice that we can today. I know after Tulane, everyone that came up kind of said that you guys were bummed that you had this this off week. Um, I'm just curious, how did, how did you feel the energy was during that off week? Was there <clears throat> sort of a a conscious effort on your part to make sure that everybody kind of stayed focused? Yeah, for sure. I definitely was just on top of everybody to make sure that, you know, there was no lack of focus going on because, you know, we need to treat it like as if we we're playing Alabama this week, as if we had a game this week. So, I mean, just, just continuing to apply the pressure even though the pressure's not even there because, you know, we had a break.
3: Matt, you, you talked earlier this season about shutting your social media stuff down and all that. There's a lot of talk out there about this game and about you with the Heisman Trophy and all that kind of stuff. How do you block all that out other than just staying off of social media? Because people are asking you about it all the time.
5: Honestly, they just ask me it when I come into here. But, uh, um, no, I mean, that's, like like I said, that's not, you know, that's cool, right? It's awesome that people are saying that, but, I mean, it's it's not a point of focus, it's not, we're not putting any of my, I'm not putting any any energy in it into it. So, I mean, the team shouldn't either, and they don't. You know, no one comes up to me and talks about that, or, you know, they you know hear they're like, dude, that's crazy. I mean, I'm like, and, you know, I'll tell them, bring them back down, like, yeah, but we still got to do this. We still got to do this. We got to handle this. And, you know, it's just really focusing on the now rather than later. So, just being able to lock in to every single detail that we're, we're worrying about today, that's what's going to make us a better team. Obviously, you know, they, they've got a, a quarterback from Southern California as well. Did, did you have any uh, pre-existing relationship with Bryce? Did, did you know him at all growing up? No, I mean, I didn't have a relationship, but, I mean, we knew each other. Uh, we, were, we we're cool with each other. Uh, I played him once when uh, when I was at Long Beach in modern, uh, and he was at Mater Day. They killed us. Uh, Modern day is ridiculous, <laughs> but I mean, you know, so is Alabama. So I mean, you know, this is it's going to be a great team, uh, great team to go against, and it's going to be fun playing against them for sure.
2: This is your first time playing in front of a hostile crowd, in almost first two time years. playing in Bryant Denny. Yeah, first time for Bryant Denny for you. Just, what do you do? You look forward to that at all? Do you yeah, absolutely. I mean,
5: I love I love when when the crowd's crazy. I love that, regardless if it's ours or not ours. I mean. Just having that energy, I love it. That's college football. That's, I mean, it's not why I play, but, I mean, that's just a big plus. I love it.
2: With the way that uh, Dontario and and Mingo have kind of broken out this year, what did you see from them over the summer and and fall camp that kind of led to them playing the way they've played this year?
5: Them coming up to me and asking questions. Um, Them constantly being worried about what I'm looking at. Excuse me. Um, Just their attention to detail on every single play. When, when Drum knows he's the first option, he, he's coming up to me and he's like, what are you looking at? What, like, what defender are you looking at? And then who am I running my route off of? And, you know, just just little questions. Um, is it better if I go a couple more yards to get a bigger window on the over? Or, like, just little things like that. Like, it, it matters. It makes a big difference because he knows what I'm looking at, and now we're on the same page. And, you know, there's a lot of times where me and Elijah didn't really expect to be on the same page. He just kind of went out there and did it, and I adjusted. And, you know, that's good, but, you know, that doesn't work all the time, right? Us being able to be on the same page, regardless of what the coaches call, as long as we're on the same page, we're going to be wrong together. You know, that's all that matters. We're going to be on the same page. If it's not open, get to the next progression. If it's not there, take off and run. So, I mean, like, just them being able to uh, really realize how how big of an importance it is to pay attention to the details because they realize how big a difference it makes. I think that's the difference this year. Kind of on the flip side of that is, you know, maybe Braylon hasn't put up the numbers quite yet that maybe we were expecting. How how has he kind of handled everything? Is he the same guy every day, no matter what? Definitely. I think Braylon just uh, puts a bigger chip on his shoulder. You know, he's not worried about, um, you know, who's getting all the attention because he knows – we all know what what type of ability Braylon has. Um, you know, it's just whether when that day is going to come, and he's been consistently working. So, you know, it could be this week, could be next week. It doesn't matter. But I fully believe that it's going to happen at some point.
2: Right, we'll take questions on Zoom. will go
3: ahead. <coughs> Matt, uh, feel better. When
2: did you realize that you know, Coach Kiffin would have such a big impact on this offense that you guys run? And, and you know, maybe what makes it so.
5: You know, I feel like that, you know, that fun thing you're talking about, you know, is just Coach Levy and Kiffin's, uh, that's just them trusting me to get to the right spot. You know, we can keep calling these deep shot plays over and over and over, but if I keep forcing them downfield and us not getting any yards, can't keep running it, you know. So, you know, I, as long as I keep hitting my check down and keep getting to where I'm supposed to get to, you know, I'm allowing them to keep calling those players because, we're, you know, we're consistently getting yards. Um, you know, and that's just that just comes from a trusting and me being second year in the system, uh, I think it helps a lot. Matt, what have you seen from Alabama's secondary on film so far, and what do you expect to see on Saturday? Uh, they got great guys all around. Every single one of them are physical and they can run with. Um, you know, it's just for us, it's just going to be up going out there and executing and staying within the system, you know, doing nothing different. Um, just trusting our rules and trusting our keys and, you know, being able to go execute. Because like I said, these guys, you know, they they don't get beat very easily. You know, they, they're well machined defense and um, it's going to take a lot to bring them down. But uh, it's definitely going to be a tough match for sure.
2: He sounds different. He sounds like a professional. And that's not by accident. It's not just his growth either. It's also the partnership with Lane Kiffin and Jeff Levy and the treatment of these players as professionals. And it doesn't matter how these guys treat us. I I don't care. Right. And fans don't care either. It doesn't matter if they act a certain way, but you can, you can draw some understanding of growth in their treatment of interviews or just how they go about their business. And part of their business is the media. And Matt Corral, you could tell every single time he talked to him, there was this little bit of obnoxiousness to it. I don't want to be here. Yeah. I don't want to be. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So he, he would get a question and a lot of questions are dumb. They are, and I'm not going to call anybody out, but a lot of questions are dumb and I can understand being on their side of it. If I put myself in their shoes thinking, golly, who is this dude, right? Or this girl, person, woman, telling me or asking me this ridiculous question, and rolling my eyes, but to be able to swallow that and to answer it in, a, in a, an insightful, meaningful way, that does show growth and it does show. How far Matt Corral has come because we've talked so much, David. We've talked so much about the growth on the field. Nick Saban brought up, or excuse me, Lane Kiffin brought up that he expects Alabama to use a lot of drop eight on Saturday. Well, drop eight absolutely lit up Matt Corral last year. His his two games in which he threw all the interceptions, 11 of his 14, were Arkansas and LSU. And in both of those games, specifically Arkansas, they utilized almost exclusively drop eight. Well, Louisville tried drop eight, and what did Matt Corral do? He didn't throw his first touchdown to the fourth quarter but they still ran out to a 29 to nothing lead and he used his legs his athleticism yeah that showed growth so we could talk all about that but another aspect well, well, of his growth me, is how he's treating this. the media
3: let me, let me say this about the drop eight coverage i don't expect alabama to play drop eight coverage i don't and, either and, and there there are a couple of reasons why first of all because
2: it's expected first I, of all
3: well let, let me no let me let me say this i i think that Ole Miss's ability to run the football will spook Alabama into not playing drop-eight coverage because if, if they come out there and drop-eight coverage, you're going to see a lot of Jerry Ealy, Henry Parrish, and Snoop Connor. Um, and, you know, so there's a little bit of poison there if they try to play drop-eight. And the fact that I think Matt Corral has mastered playing against that, that kind of zone coverage, uh, that problem is gone what you saw against Arkansas last year, what you saw some with LSU last year, I, I don't think that's an issue for Matt Corral any longer. I think Nick Saban's smart enough to figure that out. I expect Alabama to play a lot of man-to-man because, number one, I think they think they can. I think they think they have the horses to do that, to be able to run with the old Miss receivers. And by playing man-to-man, you're going to have more guys left in the box for the old Miss ground game. And both of those areas are a concern. Again, you know, Lane Kiffin talks about this all the time. So many people, fans, media alike, are guilty of thinking of Ole Miss simply as a passing team. Man, Ole Miss is a balanced offense. And um, you know, if you decide you're going to play drop eight, okay, you got something else you got to deal with—a numbers issue inside the box. Ben, I'm I'm going to be surprised. If we don't see Alabama try out there and play old Miss receivers, try to play old Miss receivers, man-to-man coverage.
2: No, I agree with you. I bring it up, do I do, about drop eight anecdotally because we've seen the growth on the field for Matt Corral against drop mm-hmm. eight, specifically against Louisville. And you go back to how he's dealing with the media now and swallowing those stupid questions that you roll your eyes at and you just want to have a snarky response for. And he's a human, and I'm like him. I have a tendency – to be a little sarcastic, to have some smarminess to me. So I completely sympathize with Matt Crowell. But just as we've broken down the maturity and the growth on the field and think about it in terms of drop eight, same kind of growth, same kind of maturity, just his evolution as a player and as a person, as a leader at Ole Miss, um, I think is also personified by his media interactions now. I'm kind of agreeing with your point to begin with.
3: Yeah. 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 Best quarterback in the country, in my opinion. And uh, I know you're going, man, that's three games in. He hadn't played anybody. I disagree blah,
2: blah, blah. with that. I always push back against that. When you talk about Ole Miss hasn't played anybody, that's just asinine. Louisville has shown to no, be a good team. No, that's not me. So no, I know. I'm know not, I know. I know. I know. No, no. I agree. I understand it's not you. I'm just saying I, I've actually heard that from some other people, and my response is, okay, look at what Louisville has done. Look at Austin P and what they're going to be in FCS being a playoff team. Look at what Tulane did against yeah. Oklahoma. And Ole Miss could not have done anything more to impress you in those performances.
3: Well, they could have went out and beat a bad Texas and a bad Texas A&M and been ranked seventh in the country this week. You know? Yeah.
2: So um,
3: there's that. You know, I'm going to be very interested to see what happens with these polls next Sunday if Ole Miss beats Alabama, how the polls will correct themselves. I certainly believe if Ole Miss goes into Tuscaloosa and wins, they're going to jolt into the top five. Um, You know, the problem with that I have with the polls is Oklahoma. Good God. Clemson still being ranked in the top 25. I mean, I, we don't, we, as the only spirit, none of us vote in the AP poll. Uh, Obviously none of us vote in the coaches poll. So, um, you know, I, I guess it's easy to criticize when you're not putting your ballot out there, but man, This is as screwed up as I've ever seen these polls. And we've got, we've got really five weeks' worth of evidence now.
2: See, now is and when the they should be ranking teams. Answer. Now is when they should be ranking teams. That's what my whole correct. thing is. I agree. Yeah, I've talked yeah. about this with you countless times on and off the air, how it's ridiculous that in 2021 we're still doing preseason polls. I get why they do it. They do it to drum up interest, but you don't really need to drum up interest for college football. People are already going to be interested. The idea that we have to rank these teams when we haven't even seen them play, it's asinine to me that Clemson at 2-2 two and two has done nothing yeah. to impress us in the top 25.
3: No, and I, I've voted in polls before. And look, here's the tendency. Same. So you do your preseason poll, and you've got Oklahoma ranked number four, and and you you vote each and every week, and you know they're not the fourth best team in the country, but you're going well. I will put them there. They haven't done anything yet, really, for me to lose to drop them. They're coming on, so you keep putting them there, and, and when they don't belong there, I mean, I mean, it's an outrage. It's it's an outrage. Uh, on these fricking polls right now, excuse my language, but, um, I said fricking by the way, but, um, I was thinking
2: to say, what did I, you say that was bad? I was trying to put that together. Okay. Wait a second. What is he apologizing for?
3: Yeah. I knew the listeners would be like, Oh, he apologized. Did he really say, you know? So, yeah. but, but no, the polls are garbage. They're garbage right now. I mean, you're giving somebody preseason credibility that doesn't deserve it. They they haven't showed they, 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 they should own that. And uh, it's all screwed up. I mean, half the team's ranked in front of Ole Miss right now. I'd I, I bet a paycheck that Ole Miss would beat them.
2: I feel the exact you same know? way. I feel the exact same way. Let's hear a little bit from Nick Saban, what he had to say about Ole Miss at his press conference on Monday.
4: You know, Ole Miss has a, an outstanding team. I think they've got like 17 starters back from a team that won eight games last year. Um, Lane does a, an outstanding job with their offense. Uh, their overall team is – improved in every category, Uh, defense, special teams. uh, They really are playing extremely well. Uh, This is one of the best offensive teams in the country, no doubt. A quarterback is a fantastic player, understands the offense well, does a great job of executing it. They've got really good running backs. They've got lots of speed. Uh, They've got good receivers. The offensive line is returning intact. So a lot of really good players that are really well coached and uh, you know their whole fastball system uh, is something that's always a challenge for the defense to you know get lined up and play with great poise and be able to focus on you know doing your job uh, so uh, it's a real challenge for us from that standpoint you know defensively they're really really improved uh, from a year ago and their statistics and you know the way they've played they got a little different system that they're playing um, dropping a little bit more uh, like Arkansas, like with a little more eight drops and uh, playing a little more odd type stuff. So, um, and they have done it extremely well. And, you know, because they've got good team speed, they're good on special teams, they got a great punter. So, um, you know, this is a really, really good team overall and going to be a real challenge for us uh, come Saturday. But we're definitely looking forward to it. Um, we're making progress as a team, and I think it's going to, con- we need to continue to do that this week.
3: Coach, you mentioned Ole using a lot of eight drops. How many teams have tried to defend you that way this year, and how has Bryce
4: responded to that? Uh, we got a little bit in the Mercer game. Um, so, you know, I, I think, you know, we have to have a good plan against it. Uh, everybody's got to execute well. Um, I think Bryce is capable of recognizing it and uh, getting the ball to the right guys. Um, so, you know, it's something that we need to work on this week, and, probably didn't work on it as much against Mercer because they hadn't done it that much in the past. So uh, it'll be a real, you know, key for us to be able to do a good job against, you know, that type of thing. Hey, Coach, uh, you mentioned Matt Corral in your opening. Just what kind of progress have you seen through, from him throughout the course of his career? Well, he played really well against us last year. Um, I mean, the guy's very elusive. Uh, he can extend plays, uh, very accurate passer. Uh, executes their offense extremely well. Um, you know, he can make plays with his feet. They do. He does pull the ball every now and then. They do have a quarterback run here and there, not a lot, but uh, just enough to, you know, sort of make you defend it on defense. But uh, the combination of things that they do in the running game and the passing game, um, they're difficult to defend. And he is about as talented as guys as anybody we've seen run and pass. Uh, for a long time.
2: And Nick, um, Lane is asked quite a bit about what he learned from you during his time in, in Tuscaloosa. I'm curious, what would you say is, is the biggest thing that, uh, that you learned from Lane?
4: Well, you know, we kind of took on the, the task when he came here of, you know, changing the whole offense to be more spread, to be more RPO-oriented, to use, you know, motions and formations to create issues and problems for the defense. Uh, and, you know, he did a marvelous job of that when he was here, he's continued to build on it. Um, but I'd say I learned that from him, uh, because we sort of made that change. So we all had to get sort of, you know, together on how we were going to do things and what we're going to do. And he did a really good job of that. And he's a very bright, very bright, good, really good play caller. So, um, I, I, I learned a lot of offensive football from him.
2: You mentioned the progress that, that Old Miss has made on defense from last year to this year. What areas sort of jump out to you in, in, in studying from last year to
4: this year's unit? Well, they just have a good system and a good scheme. And they've, um, I think they went and studied some things and, you know, uh, they do a good job of executing it. They know what they're doing and uh, their players are, uh, you know, really know what they're doing. I, I think, you know, Last year was a little bit of an anomaly when it came to if you're a new staff, how do you get, you know, what you want to do implemented? And I think, you know, they probably went through that on defense a little bit, you know, last year because of COVID. uh, This year, because they've had the spring, they've had the summer, uh, they've had a year um, to know what kind of adjustments they need to make relative to the players they have. uh, And they've done a really good job of that.
2: All right, now that we've heard from Nick Saban, it's time to go around the circle for some odds and ends things in regards to Ole Miss football, including a kickoff time potentially for Ole in Arkansas.
0: Ole Miss fans, you can never be too careful, especially these days and with young kids at home. Don't take any chances and secure your home with UFI Smart Lock, an easy install all-in-one security device for your front door and that peace of mind we're all looking for. I myself am a Eufy user, and I can tell you firsthand, go ahead and ditch those house keys forever, grab a Phillips head screwdriver because that's all you'll need, and give Eufy Smart Lock a try today. No monthly fee, and Eufy customer service is waiting on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. So what are you waiting for? Head to Vault Hemingway or the Pavilion or Swayze Field to cheer on your Ole Miss Rebels with the reassurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Smart Lock. Ufi Video Lock makes it easy to keep an eye on things back home. Its built-in camera can tell you who's at the front door from the comfort of your stadium seat. Search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com, eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Smart Lock and Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of the Talk of Champions podcast network. the circle
2: that's the trouble around here talk 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 David you wrote about this on Monday when the times came out but Ole in and Arkansas we think we know when they're going to play but it could be one of two times
3: yeah either 11 a.m central time or 2 30 p.m central time thank you uh, CBS for the uh, extended drama there but um I I like either time. I'm good with it. I mean, it means I'm not up at 4 a.m. in the morning uh, just on a selfish basis there. Uh, I like the 11 a.m. start. And what you're starting to see is those 11 a.m. games. ESPN's recognizing this. Those 11 a.m. games are getting better ratings than the nighttime games. But by, by the time darkness rolls around, a lot of people are footballed out. A lot of people are drunk. A lot of people are deciding, you know, they've got other things to do on Saturday night. Those 11 o'clock ball games, 11 a.m. kickoffs, are getting better ratings than the 7 o'clock primetime stuff on ESPN. And, uh, you know, case in point, why in the world is Georgia and Arkansas kicking off at 11 a.m.? Because ESPN knows this. Mm. They know that 11 a.m. slot is really much more valuable than they've ever given it credit for in the past. So they're putting big-time games there. You saw Fox do it last weekend with Notre Dame-Wisconsin. The 11 o'clock slot is hot right now.
2: Professionally and personally, I welcome that C-change, shift change, whatever we're going to call it. I welcome less late-night kickoffs, or just let all the bad teams kick off really late if the games earlier getting the most – eyeballs, because I prefer that personally and professionally, and it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, I, I think it's kind of odd that they kind of started to lean more towards those late games when it feels like when you tune in at 9 a.m. to college game day or whatever it might be, you're not going to spend all 14 hours of your day watching every single game out there, but the games you care about, you're geared up for them from 9 a.m. to about, oh, I don't know, about 5, 6 o'clock. If you're starting to kick off at 7, 8.30... Well,
3: in one one essence, college football is learning from the NFL. Why, why have that's NFL right. games always kicked off at noon? That's right. I mean, that's that's the time people will sit down and watch it. it. If it were the other way around, everything would kick off at 7 o'clock at night on Sunday nights. That's just the bottom line. College football is, is waking up to this fact. You're going to see more and more big-time marquee games slotted for an 11 a.m. kickoff.
2: Yeah, say what you want to about the NFL and how it schedules things, but they got one thing right. The bulk of their games are at lunchtime and right after lunch, and they have one primetime game on Sunday night, and they have one primetime game on Monday, Monday night. Because if you try to schedule a bunch of primetime games at nighttime, you're, you're siphoning off the eyeballs that you otherwise would get for your main attraction, whatever that attractive game turns out to be so i think the college football is kind of cutting them around to this fact like you said because you have a platform on thursday night i know that the nfl is trying to get in on thursday but they keep putting crappy games on thursday and there's always a college football game thursday's a day for college football friday night can be a night for college football a primetime game and then saturday earlier kickoffs i'm all for that i just think it makes more sense for just the general college football fan i think they would prefer it that way because they could build their day around it and not be waking up groggy on sunday morning
3: yeah no doubt about it and uh Anyway, just, just watch more and more big-time games going to kick off at 11 a.m.
2: Jonathan Mingo was the third player or coach to speak on Monday. Anything of note from Jonathan Mingo?
3: You know, Jonathan very, very couched in his commentary. Um, almost uh, coach speak, if you will. He said all the right things at all the right times, answered all the right questions. Um, you know, so, so you're not going to get anything inflammatory, out of Ole Miss this week, I doubt if we see Jerry on Ely in the press room tomorrow or, or any other day this week. Um, Jerry on tends to uh, sometimes just kind of lay it all out there. I love it. Uh, I, I think I think there is a, a calculated effort on which players are going to be made available to the media this week in Oxford. Uh, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. Most of these guys get it; they understand it, but still. Uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure come Saturday afternoon.
2: Oh man. I do love that respect Alabama. AJ Brown, former Ole Miss wide receiver currently with the Tennessee Titans. He has a strained hamstring and is expected to be considered week to week, according to Adam Schefter. And then Ole Miss women's soccer picked up their first SEC loss at number 16, Arkansas. You've been talking to me off the record, off the air about um, women's soccer and how good they've been. That loss it uh, kind of mm-hmm. put it into perspective for me really, or, Pretty much everybody who doesn't pay all well, the mistakes to it.
3: They've been good, right? I talked to I, I talked to Matt Mott on Monday and, and to be honest with you, Ole Miss was a tired leg team Saturday at Fayetteville. You know, they led one to nothing at halftime against Arkansas, which is which is a very good team. Uh, they just kind of lost their legs in the second half and Arkansas had their way with them. You know, you gotta remember they were also coming off a big win over number five LSU. Uh, last week Ole Miss was so uh, you know this is a quality team they need a little rest he gave them Monday and Tuesday off so um, they'll begin practice again on Wednesday Uh, they play Florida over the weekend and uh, that's going to be a tough test SEC's tough in everything they're tough in soccer just like they are in football no games a gimme but this was a sweet 16 team last year and uh, I, I think they're they're capable of doing that or better again this year. Just wasn't their day in Fayetteville. Um, other thing we should mention: Wednesday night, an absolute huge volleyball showdown in Oxford, the defending national champion Kentucky Wildcats against the unbeaten Ole Miss Rebels. And uh, you know that's going to be a tough one for Ole Miss to win but they're playing hot right now. That much is for sure. They were one of the worst volleyball teams in the country last year. Caleb Benworth has done an incredible job and uh, they look like an NCAA tournament team right now. So uh, good things happening on the women's front for sure. And um, you know, I don't know if it'll be today. I don't know if it'll be Wednesday, but one day this week, I'm going to have the first commentary from Ole Miss softball coach Jamie Tracks, all following the uh, her uh, her clearing of um, of this uh, well publicized uh, investigations that went on over a couple of months span with the softball program. So, I'm looking forward to that.
2: I'm talking to Keith Carter later this morning. Anything in particular, David? I should ask him,
3: unless you can get my parking spot moved <laughs> a couple of rows closer <laughs> to the elevator in the pavilion garage, I'm good. About but that. but if you All can right. do anything about that, particularly when it's storming outside in the uh, like it was for Tulane, that would be great. All right. Other than that, no complaints about press box food. It's been great. Good for you. Uh, the Diet Coke is working good at the fountain. Feels good. I mean, man, everything's smooth.
2: Anything else team-wise, recruiting-wise, you're paying attention to Ole Miss-centric the rest of the week?
3: Well, you're always going to watch and see where they're they're ending up on Friday night. Uh, not sure what the plans are this Friday. Uh, they certainly have some targets in the uh, Tuscaloosa and Birmingham area. I'm sure Ole Miss is probably going to spend the night in Birmingham. Uh, you can't even get hotel rooms in Tuscaloosa when they play New Mexico State in November. I've discovered that. So uh, anyway, um, that, that, and then I think there are – you know, a couple of fish on the hook, so to speak, that uh, could uh, could hop in the boat at any moment. And we've talked about those guys. Um, you know, Stone Blanton, Justin Martin, Quinchon Judkins. Uh, you know, there are some guys, I think, that are ready to, to be Ole Miss Rebels. Uh, boy, a big win <clears throat> Saturday in Tuscaloosa. And uh, <clears throat> all the fish jumping in might tip the boat over.
2: He's David Johnson at Rebels247 on Twitter. We both write for the Ole Miss Spirit OMSPIRIT.com and Twitter of 247 Sports. See you tomorrow, buddy.
3: All right. howdy, toddy, everybody.
2: That was David Johnson. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. Ben Brown, Ole Miss offensive lineman, coming up here in just a second on the Modern Women phone line. If you haven't already, subscribe, review Talk of Champions on iTunes, and when you do, Leave a five star review. Doesn't matter what you say. As long as it's five stars and Talk of Champions can be found wherever you get your podcast, just simply search Talk of Champions in Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher. Doesn't matter. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Chinese Pharmacy and BA Bank, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. It's the most wonderful time of the year. No, it's not Christmas time. It's football season, specifically Ole Miss football season. You want to be there, right? in The Grove, in Vaught-Hemingway Stadium, cheering on the Rebels every single Saturday. The only way to do that is to make sure you're healthy, to take care of yourself, to have a pharmacy that you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Chinese Pharmacy, a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the Rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down, it's not close. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at cheneyspharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy.
0: The Modern Woodman phone line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together.
2: It's another edition of Frontline View with Ben Brown, Ole Miss offensive lineman. It's Alabama week. Hey, buddy.
6: What's up? Man, i doing good. What's going on?
2: You fired up?
6: Absolutely, ready to go, man. Another week, another opportunity to showcase, you know, what Rebel Nation's all about. Um, so we're just ready for this Saturday, man.
2: How'd you spend your off weekend?
6: What'd you do? Man, it was nice, just a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> just my dad came up, cooked some food, and then uh, kind of just chilled out, watched some football and all that. So it was a nice little getaway. What did dad cook? He cooked a little bit of uh, jambalaya and oh. some rolls and... Uh, Oh. He made some uh, peach cobbler as well. That was oh. uh, incredible. So.
2: You're talking to a guy who's trying to diet for like the fifth time this year. That just pained me, <laughs> man.
6: Oh, my God. You, if you ever have my dad's food, you'll get off whatever diet you're on, you'll get on his meal plan. <laughs> Dude,
2: you had me at Jambalaya, but then you just did me in with peach cobbler. My God. It sounds like a good off weekend, though. <laughs> what football did you watch?
6: Well, I mean, I watched the Bama-Southern Miss game, obviously. Um then kinda watched some NFL games. Um, watched my buddy Royce last night play, get that win over San Francisco. That was crazy. So yeah, I just kinda took it easy and then watched really everyone.
2: <laughs> Wasn't a lot to watch with Alabama and Southern Mist though. Sixty three to fourteen I think it was. What'd you learn from it?
6: Uh that they're a good football team like everyone knows. No oh.
2: <laughs> breaking news team. breaking so. news, Alabama's a good football team. <laughs> What's the strength of Alabama when you watch them?
6: Uh, I mean, they just play well as a unit. I mean, they're, they're really great at all positions. I mean, their offense is really good and their defense is really good. I mean, they're just a complete whole team. So, uh, that, that's a dangerous, uh, formula for success right there.
2: When y'all came back together on Monday, what was the preparation like?
6: You know, we, we went over practice from last week and everything, uh, practice from Thursday and then, uh, We hit hit all the games real hard. I think we had two hours of meetings this morning on practice and everything. So uh, big mental day for sure today. And tomorrow will be one of our work days.
2: I mean, obviously they're good. They're Alabama. Defensively, you always expect a lot, especially up front. So from an offensive line perspective, what particular challenges does Alabama present outside of the obvious that, hey, they got a bunch of four- and five-star prospects up there?
6: Uh, I'd say they they do a great job at changing the front a lot. So I mean, you won't really see the same thing over and over again throughout a football team. I mean, they've got so I many uh, different blitzes that they run. So just to kind of keep us honest up front, so just just being ready kind of for everything, you know. Um, I mean, they go into even and odd throughout the game. So uh, you know, just gotta communicate and everyone will be on the same page and we'll be all good.
2: Obviously, all week the national narrative will be about Lane and Nick Saban and being on his staff and the respect they have for each other. But it seems like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but Lane doesn't really change his process, his perspective, and how he goes about work, regardless of the opponent, regardless of the past history. Has that held true this week?
6: Absolutely. Coach Kiffin uh, does a great job of uh, (laughs) treating every opponent and every week exactly the same. I mean, uh, it feels preparation-wise, I mean, we're doing everything the same that we've done his entire time since we've been here. So, you know, I mean, that's, that's great and refreshing to feel just to know that, uh, you know, it's really, it's about us and it's about what we do. It doesn't matter what opponent we play. Um, obviously Alabama's an outstanding football team, but I mean, every week it's about us and how we can be better and how we can go
2: 1-0. That's something we've talked about in this podcast a lot is the culture he's cultivated because he treats y'all like pros and not to say that previous staffs didn't do this, but He's about getting the work in, doing your job, and it's like an NFL-type atmosphere as far as how y'all go about process. Is that fair?
6: Absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, he definitely – we're doing all of our work, and, uh, you know, we're completely bought in and practicing hard and everything. He'll take care of us as well. So uh, Coach Kevin's a very smart coach with that. He understands, uh, you know – the load that we have as players practice wise and everything. And also the opponents that we play every single week. So he does a great job, uh, having us feeling good and feel prepared for Saturdays.
2: You've played Alabama a number of times so far <laughs> in your career. Um, what do you draw from that? If anything?
6: I mean, just that they're a really good football team. I mean, I've had some close games and I've had some not so close, not so close games against them. I'd say just the biggest thing is just everyone staying in the game all four quarters and everyone being locked in. And, you know, uh, it's a game of ventures with these guys. I mean, everything has to be firing on all cylinders. Everyone does. So I think just really just attention to detail this week and throughout the entire game is going to be huge because they'll obviously make some plays during the game and we'll make some plays during the game. But it's about who can make more of those big plays during the game, whether it's on offense or on defense. So just to be focused and to – you know, just to be locked in throughout the entire 60 minutes of the game is crucial, definitely.
2: The overarching deal with Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss is about process like we talked about, but there is a human element to it, especially with younger guys or transfer guys that have never been through this environment before, never faced off with a caliber opponent. Um, so drawing from that and knowing what you know about Alabama, what advice would you have for those guys who've never gone through this before of what to expect and when there are adverse situations in the game, how to handle them and just kind of flush it and go to next play?
6: Um, You know, I'd say we're a football team that handles adversity well. I mean, we've, we've been through a lot of adversity, I mean, just through this season and in the past seasons as well. So I would say, I, I mean, just – Stick to what you've been doing your entire time here. Fall back onto your training. I mean, just because we're playing Alabama doesn't mean you have to do anything super special. I mean, they're a great football team, but, but what I mean by saying that is that to just be locked in on your assignments. I mean, we practice, you know, every single day. We watch film every single day. You have a pretty good understanding of what's going on. So just, you know, execute with clear mind and, uh, you know, don't, don't stress out. I mean, just play the next play if you, if you mess up or, you know, if you're – getting stressed out or anything just man just put it behind you and play the next play that's all you can do obviously
2: y'all leave it to the media to the fans to kind of prognosticate look at the landscape of the sec the teams that y'all are competing against and kind of project things out but after spending a week watching football is it hard not to look around and kind of consider how you match up or where you stand in the pecking order and how you could potentially contend as a playoff contender in college football this year is it hard not to do that
6: Uh, I mean, it's obviously hard with uh, the success that we have early on, uh, but Coach Kiffin makes a great point that, uh, you know, that rankings don't matter throughout the week. I mean, a team that could be ranked high could be terrible the next week. The only ranking that matters is the ranking at the end of the season. So uh, I I thought that was just a great point. Um, We've been playing great ball right now, and uh, we're ranked, I'm, I'm not even sure what, but in top 25, that won't mean anything until the season's over with.
2: You're an Ole Miss guy through and through. Your greatest Alabama Ole Miss memory is what?
6: Um, I'd say 2015. I went to uh, T-Town with my dad, uh, watched the Ole Miss game, and uh, uh, surrounded by a bunch of Bama fans and had to basically quietly cheer whenever uh,
3: we were winning.
6: So <laughs> that was a pretty spectacular moment right there. You're
2: not a quiet guy, man. How did you do that? How did you pull that off? Yeah, I didn't have a choice. I
6: thought I was gonna have to leave if (laughs) I didn't (laughs) and I was gonna watch that whole game. (laughs) Bet it. So
2: Oh, that's great. I thought you might say 2014, but 2015 was equally as memorable and had the incredible play with Quincy Adoboja, the ball knocking off the helmet and he catches it or whatever because Chad just threw it up. That was just an incredible game. But you think back to 2014, and the parallels are pretty obvious here. I mean, first of all, Ole Miss was undefeated, number 11 in the country at the time. Alabama was number one because, of course, Alabama was. And this year, yard number 12, they're number one. But I've said this before, and you can agree or disagree with me here, If y'all go in and win this weekend, it won't feel like an upset because for y'all, not only is that the mindset, but the level of play and the standard in which you're holding yourselves to now is different compared to past Ole Miss teams that are going in there and, quote, upsetting Alabama.
6: I would say that's fair to say, but also at the same time I mean, Alabama's Alabama, man. They're they're a solid football team. They're the number one team in the nation. So uh, anyone who beats Alabama, I think it's fair to say is an upset, so...
2: You're doing it. You're doing the thing that every single team, coach, player does when they play Alabama. You got to respect Alabama, and you're doing it. So, hey, tip of the cap to you, Ben. You're doing what you're supposed to do. Alabama
6: respect week.
2: (laughs) You get it. Alabama respect week. There it is. Okay, so as you prepare for the rest of the week, um, as far as just being healthy and all that kind of stuff, I know you all don't talk about injuries or anything like that, but is the team close to full strength as possible?
6: Absolutely. I mean, I think it's very beneficial for us to have a bye week. You know, just kind of refresh our bodies and refresh our minds for a big week that we've got going on for us. So uh, I think that bye week came at a perfect time. It was a little bit early, but uh, and I think we benefited a lot from it, practice wise and recovery wise. So.
2: Well, you talked last week about the offensive line having to clean up some small things. What are those things that y'all identified in film and having the full week of practice with no game to play? What were those areas, and do you feel like i have gotten closer to where you want to be?
6: Uh, just some small technique things in the run game. Uh, we've already cleaned a lot of that up, so uh, we're feeling a lot better now. Uh, I'm feeling good going into the Bama game now. So, How you feeling, man? You know you don't have to ask me twice about it, man. You know I'm fired <laughs> up. <laughs> It's, it's what I like to call a slow burn to the game, though. So okay. you know you don't want right. to overexert yourself too early in the week.
2: Because if you do too much too soon, uh, what are you going to have left for Saturday, right?
6: That's right. Okay. You know, so I mean, you got to work and practice and everything, but uh, leave the craziness for game day. I so.
2: oh. oh, love it, you maniac. Okay, every single <laughs> week you teach us something in Ben Brown's offensive line school. Last week it was about the stance. What are we learning today?
6: Um, I feel like this this is a little bit of a shorter. Uh, version of a tip today, but I feel like it's uh, important for offensive line play, is not always talked about, is how crucial using your hands are. So whether that's in the run game or whether that is in the pass game, if you don't use your hands efficiently and effectively, you won't win. I mean, it just comes down to that. I mean, I've, I've seen players who were mediocre players become phenomenal players just by using their hands. So whether that's in pass protection, they would kind of just place their hands on the defender versus striking them at the line and completely stunning them at the line of scrimmage and pass protection and totally eliminating, you know, their pass rushing plan. I mean, I've, I've seen players go from good to great to outstanding. So just using your hands often and effectively is one of the best ways to elevate your offensive line play to the next level.
2: You're absolutely right. Not that you needed my validation in any way, but Laramie Tunsil told me one time, he said, look, man, I have some things that I got to work on. I got to get bigger, faster, and stronger, especially my upper body. But if I get my hands on you, it's a wrap. That's right. It's you a wrap.
6: Hand on someone violently and quickly, man. I mean, that's that's tough. I mean, imagine you're a defensive lineman, and I mean, offensive lineman. I mean, you know, we don't always get the praises for being athletic and everything, but I mean, you strike your hands on one of them real quick. I mean, it, You can end the whole rush right there, and they don't even know what to do. And then by then. Matt Stone, a 60-yard bomb touchdown over your head, and it's over with.
2: (laughs) That's it. Yeah, because Ken Sherlock had said the same thing. He said the first thing I tried to do when I was pass rushing is knock their hands down because if they got their hands on me, I was screwed, especially if you go up against a guy like Laramie Tunsell in the SEC. um, If you're a pass rusher and you let them get inside, there's nothing they can do. They can't swim you. They can't undercut you. Do anything. Spend nothing if you get your hands on them. I love that. I I love talking about the hands situation because one time, this is true, we went to this art gallery. did me and Kentrell Lockett and my buddy Krodz. And we got a little drunk. And I decided that I was just going to kind of try to uh, get my hands on Kentrell at a parking lot just to see if I could block him in any way. I'm a terrible offensive lineman. Former high school, terrible offensive lineman. But I just wanted to see what it was like. And uh, let's just simply say, he broke my forearms. <laughs> is,
6: that when you, is that when you figured out you weren't a D1 athlete, Ben? <laughs> I
2: figured that out a long time. I figured out then, though, that – uh. My God, the violence of breaking my arms in a all parking right. lot. Right. You know, like, oh, my God, it was painful. He's Ben Brown. Ole Miss offensive I love this is how we ended, right? We're talking about Alabama. You're trying to be all respect Alabama week. You still get hyped. And then we talk about hands. And then you come out. There's the Ben Brown I know.
6: Let's go, baby. There yeah. it is.
2: Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it.
6: Absolutely. Thank you all. I appreciate it. What's so special
0: about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas?